Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hello, and welcome to Dwell, a Cersei Institute podcast for homeschool moms by homeschool moms. I'm Emily Hill, and joining me are Karen Kern and Renee Mathis. Hey, friends. Whoa. Hey, it's warm and sunny here. Here too. I, I can't believe they just did that, actually. It is not warm and sunny here. So welcome back to Colorado. And y'all will get to hear all of the, 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 winter, the winter news as that comes on. So I, I want to just jump right in here. Um, and in C.S. Lewis's book, The Silver Chair, uh, Aslan tells the children to remember, remember, remember the signs that he gives them. And throughout that book and other literature, such as uh, The Giver and Remains of the Day, you see that same theme of how memory or remembering is foundational, not only to a flourishing life, but also to a healthy society. Essentially, if you don't remember it, you didn't learn it. And this is why one of the reasons why we even practice narration and catechism in our homeschool classrooms. The art of memory embeds worthy thoughts and ideas in our hearts and minds. And, but it also reminds us of who we are and why we are here. Over and over again, the word of God tells us to remember what God has done for you. Do not forget his goodness. Remind each other of the good news. Memory is foundational who we are as humans. And for thousands of years, memory has formed the cornerstone of education. It filled students' minds, not with their own undeveloped thoughts, but good, true, and beautiful thoughts, ideas, and images that were the foundation for a virtuous and deep life. In fact, for most of history, facts were regarded as important signposts that guide students toward cultural literacy and the act of remembering them was one of creativity and imagination. So today we're going to talk for a bit about why memory is important and also practically how do you go about memorizing or remembering. So let's just start with that of 
what is what is the importance of memory or remembering? And I know I'm kind of using both of those words, memory, remembering. Um, and maybe we can even talk about that a little bit. What is, is there a difference there? What is the importance of this? So Karen, any thoughts of why memory or remembering? It's kind of a big deal. Well, the whole topic is so, it's so big. It's such a broad topic because we can talk about the things to memorize. We can talk about how to memorize and why to memorize. And one of the things that comes to my mind right away is the link between observing and uh, looking closely and how that ties in with memory and uh, paying close attention, learning to pay attention. So, you know, when um, when a child is is learning his Bible verses or a speech or a poem, they can't do it unless they're paying close attention. And so I I you know, the first thing that comes to mind is the is the uh, bridge between paying attention and memory. Anybody want to take yeah, that further? Karen, that's something that we've been talking a lot about in the apprenticeship as well um, from a teaching standpoint is that attention is really the foundation. And on that, you know, if you want to picture it as sort of, if attention is at the bottom of the chart, then branching off of that foundation is imitation and memorization, um, both of which require paying close attention. So, um, you know, when we are from a schooling educational perspective, when we're teaching kids, we want to make sure that they're paying attention. Um, we want to make sure that we're teaching in such a way that encourages them and, and incites their intention. Because if it's something they need to memorize, you know, that's that's going to be important. Um, or if it's something we want them to imitate, it's going to require attention. And I think when we teach, you know, we have to be careful. Not not everything needs to be memorized. So we want to be careful not to wear them out, you know, for example. Um, but to focus on what is truly worth, I think, truly worth memorizing. So I'm thinking of what of that, Renee, and the two branches that are coming off of attention, of imitation and memory. And in some ways, um, one, one is an input, one is an output. And that imitation is something that they, it is a practice that it's coming out of them. They're, in, they're creating something, they're making something, they're imitating it externally. Um, memorization is something that is coming into them that they are holding on to. And I, I'm, I'm curious of that um, because in, in Greek mythology, um, Nemesine, which is where we get this um the word, uh, like mimetic teaching, it's that same, you know, when you put that M and that N together and none of us really know quite how to say that in English. Um, well, mnemonic. the goddess. Mnemonic. A, a mnemonic is an aid to memory. M -N right. Yeah. And, and Nemozine is the goddess of memory in Greek mythology, which is where that word comes from. Um, and, but she was also the mother of the muses which in our education system, we don't, you know, we think memory and you hear this often rote memory, right? Like that's a bad thing. Um, and we don't think of memory associated with the muses or creativity or making something. And I love that you pull that back to paying attention is the root both of 
be taking it in and putting something out create uh, creatively. So um, I would love, like, even as Karen, you mentioned, we talked about, we, we could talk about the history of memory. Um, we could talk about the practice of memory and both of them, both of them are probably important to spend some time on. Um, but maybe just share a little bit from your own experience of why memory was important in your own families or in your classrooms also. Um, and how did you go about getting your kids to memorize things? Um, for me, when I, particularly when I taught third grade and because I taught that one grade for so many years, that's kind of where my mind goes on this issue. One of the big things for me was making sure that when I introduced my students to a speech, to a passage of scripture or to a poem, the first time they encountered that was me giving it to them because I had memorized it. And so I was able to stand in front of them because I had to work on it beforehand and memorize the, the first verse of the passage or memorize the first, like I would give them an entire poem memorized. And sometimes I had to have my book open in front of me and they would say, why do you get, why do you get to read it? Sometimes I'm old because I'm old and I have to, you know, I still have to have the words in front of me sometimes, even though I've memorized this poem for years. But um, I think that when a child encounters it being given it to him by his parent or teacher it it just spoken very naturally it's it shows the student that it really matters because my my teacher or my mom actually took the time to memorize this and to give it to me like that and then after they've they've heard it and maybe you've started to learn the first few lines and they're they're engaged they're enjoying it there um it, it's something that they already are learning to love and then give it to them written down and you know that's for the younger grades but i i just feel so strongly that if we're asking them to memorize something we need to also be invested in it and that if we're asking them to memorize something it needs to be so good and so true and so beautiful that they also will encounter that it's so it's so much better to do it that way than to say, you know, I want you this week to memorize this poem and leave it at that. And, and you know, a good teacher doesn't do that. But oh, Karen, I, I, I probably need to ask forgiveness of a lot of students, because as you were saying that, I'm like, oh, my God, I'm just feeling this huge regret for the times I assigned them to go. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> But you know, really, I'm learning. I'm learning from my mistake because, and so really, y'all who are listening, learn from this. I, I really was part of my when we did Julius Caesar. I would give them extra credit if they would memorize like ten lines or fifteen lines. I forget, and I let them choose it. And most of the time, they would choose Mark Antony's, you know, friends, Romans, and countrymen speech. And now that you're saying that, I'm thinking, why didn't we do that as a class together? That would have been so much more meaningful, I think, if, first of all, if they knew that they were in it together as a group, you know, it wasn't like something they had to do, just sent home to do. And, and also at the same time, even the ones who thought they couldn't do it probably would have found out that they could when you do it all together repeatedly as kind of like a class project. And so, um, all right. So teachers out there. With older kids, there is benefit also to saying memorize a few passages that you particularly love. Yeah and, yeah. and present that to the class. 
there's definitely there's definitely there's room for both but now i'm thinking oh it would have been fun if we had done it together well another thing is it takes such a few minutes of the day you know the first like you can memorize so many passages by spending five minutes a day on scripture or Mm -hmm. five minutes a day or ten minutes a day on on a poem the body of poems that you can memorize together over a period of years yeah it's it's vast and it's it's so rich you know, and that's all the timeline songs. We put that into them and then you just never know when it's going to come out. You know, even as an adult, we've probably all had that experience where, you know, you're hiking somewhere and, and you're in a national park or you're in another country or you're just somewhere. And all of a sudden this poem comes to your mind that you memorized when you were a little kid or that you read recently. That's um, just such a beautiful experience. And I, I feel like if we don't have that in us, it's not going to come out. Right. So. Yeah. I remember one time our boys were being naughty at dinner and we rebuked them in some way. And David Armand said, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. <laughs> and so then, like, okay, we're not mad at you anymore. <laughs> You're like, at least you've got some, uh, some good words inside you there. Well, and it, you know, even thinking when it says, I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you, that there is an importance to memory towards the formation of who we become as people. It's not, it's not just like, oh, these are really great, beautiful poems. So it's great to just like have that in the back of your mind somewhere. Like having that inside you is shaping. And um, Renee, as you said, we probably all can think of scenarios that we pull that out somehow. Um, so when, when I was growing up, uh, reading the Proverbs was a really big deal in my family. So we read through the Proverbs every single month for... I don't know, probably like a dozen years. Um, and they're just there, like they're just in me. And we, that was not even intentionally memorizing them. That was just us reading it over and over. Um, which is why I do love this idea of that becoming, I think Josh Gibbs really popularized this, the idea of the catechism in the classroom, kind of bringing back this idea of the catechism in that you are not intentionally like, okay, go memorize that come back but it's just the repetition um over and over you just repeat it and you say it and and this happened in my classroom last year i had a five-page catechism and at the end of the year they just they all knew it and it was beautiful it was scripture it was poetry it was prayers and i didn't even have to say hey go memorize whatever it was just we just said it over and over so just just even that of not intentional memorizing of today, we're going to memorize this poem, but just saying something over and over. That's been true with our family and uh, prayers that we just have a set, we have these set prayers that we say every morning and every evening. And just at first they were on a piece of paper and we would say them. And now it's just, it's just there. It's a part of it. And I was thinking of some stories that I was reading of, um, some godly men and women who ended up in concentration camps uh, during the 1900s. And, you know, they had no, they had no Bibles, they had no prayer books, they, you know, they had nothing, but because they had um, treasured in their hearts, these long passages of scriptures and long uh, series of prayers, it was able to sustain them through that. And you never know, like that is something, regardless of what happens in our future, having that stored up is going to be a a gift and a sustenance to us um, in that. But 
So I, one of the things that I just, in that narrative there, I mentioned was um, repetition. And I was, I was thinking of um, during the middle ages or uh, some of the early Christian monks, uh, they had like, uh, they had techniques of memory that was developed and certain stages. And this was a little funny that I couldn't remember what the stages were. It's like, I know it's probably somehow ironic there. Um, so Renee, I know that you, you know, that's a little bit more fresh on your mind. We were talking and maybe you could just kind of walk us through some of the stages of memory and what, what that looked like. Yeah. So um, we, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago in the, um, at the gathering when we um, met with the apprentices and um, actually Katarina Kern was nice enough to share with us some of the things that um, she had talked about in her, her memory um, intensive that she did. But so, so the first stage of, of memory, you know, this idea that um, what, like you said, in the medieval world, came out was was recitatio and and that's just like what it sounds like to recite this exact repetition of something and Emily I'm guessing when you had your five-page catechism with your kids in your class they read it together I mean I'm sure you didn't say don't start out the day one you've got to have that input right and and you get that input when you you hear it said and you see it in front of you and so we have this repetition or recitatio but then the next stage is ruminatio, literally to ruminate or to meditate on, on this idea. Um, think of like a cow chewing its cud, you know, they're, I think it's, it's a, one of their stomachs is called a rumen or something like that. Anyway, um, ruminatio. And so, and that's a little more fuzzy. It's kind of like, as you recite it, as you continue to do this, as it becomes a part of you in that way that we can't always explain scientifically how it becomes a part of you or how it changes you, but it does, right? As you meditate on it and think about it. And then the third stage, and this was a real eye-opener for me, is called memoria. And that's the craft of memory. And that is using what we've memorized to create something new. And I don't think a lot of us think about this third stage or this idea that memory will lead to something that, that, whatever I've memorized and stored up inside will then somehow be fuel or food or inspiration. There goes the muses again, right? We talk about being inspired by a muse to create something new. Um, But of course it makes perfect sense because only God can create out of nothing. We as human finite human beings have to create out of something. And then that something is not I mean, not, not some, you know, mystical thing out there. It's a product of what we've taken inside of us. So do you want to write a song or paint a picture or write a poem? Um, What you've stored up inside, what you've memorized is all going to contribute to helping you create that brand new thing. So um, I thought that was really encouraging. I think that would encourage me as a homeschool mom, if I were homeschooling right now, that this memorization is not being wasted. It's, it's, it, you're building something into your children that may not come out for years. They may not be in a, they may be an adult before it actually gives fruit to something, but it will. And, and it can. So there you go. Renee, I think about that in terms of like music. So a, a child is learning the scales, you know, they're learning how, how chords fit together. They, their fingers are, you know, it's that mind the mind memory translated in 
they're their fingers on the keys so that they can play songs without looking at the notes. It's, it's a miracle of what's going on in the mind. And then they can take their fingers can then make new songs on the piano because they know how music works and they know how the keys work. And it's all, it's so beautifully related to skill. The skill and the memory is so closely related in the yeah. same thing with painting, right? Or any, any art requires former knowledge that has been learned and memorized, but also dwelt upon. It's right. Beautiful. Well, maybe that's some of the beauty of classical education in that we are acknowledging that we are one for one life in a series of billions um, and that we are building on what has come before. I think that's, um, that's part of our sadness in the deconstruction um, teaching of education in that when, as soon as we say, past does not matter what has come before does not matter um, um i was actually just reading this in some article the other day of that how we are considered the most progressive and separated uh, generation than has ever come before that with our unwillingness to like we, we truly believe that we are new and unique and that we don't need anything that has happened before um and that is why a classical education is so foundational and important, especially in the time and place that we are living in, that we are teaching our children um, to remember, remember what has come before, remember what God has done for you, remember who you are. And not only for the sake of creating, because as you said, I mean, all these people who throw out memory, it's funny because we, we live in it still. I mean, like you can't make anything out of nothing, right? So you're doing it whether you think you're doing it or not. Um, but just even the idea of cultural memory. And so the things that you are encouraging your children to memorize um, at this time and place, it's so important that to keeping the faith even of that the things that they are memorizing, the things that they are remembering um, are our faith heritage and our our family we even talked about that i don't know months ago of whether it's storytelling how important storytelling is storytelling is a huge aspect of memorization and kind of an easy one because stories stick with us um so just keeping that in mind this idea of cultural memory um passing on what is good and beautiful from one generation to the next through Yes, through the liberal arts, which is, you know, the basis of classical education, but also through the church and also through the family, because this is what keeps us unified and connected as the people of God, too. So it may just seem like, hey, I'm just memorizing this poem or I'm just telling my kids to memorize these Bible verses. But be encouraged that it is bigger than that. Actually, you are storing something up inside them um, to foreign them to be countercultural members of society there that's like my pet talk my pet talk for the day um so just then on the flip side of that um if we are encouraged to remember then the opposite of that is forgetfulness what is you don't have to be all like doom and gloom here but what do y'all see as the 
the, the curse or the challenge of forgetfulness. If you don't memorize, if you don't remember, then what? Well, you forget where you came from. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, as they say, if you don't study history, you're likely to repeat it, which <laughs> is a, you know, a glib cliche, but it's so true. So we forget where we came from. We don't know. We don't know what the symbols are. Even in our society, we don't know what things mean because we haven't been taught because we have we didn't learn them. So like even even something like the Constitution, you know, or the Gettysburg Address, do people do people memorize that? Like, do they like I know that, you know, we're in circles where they memorize that. But what happens when you don't memorize those things? Mm-hmm. What What is lost? Right. Well, it, even something as simple as coming together in a worship service to, to build on what you said, Emily, about the family of God. Um, when we worship together and we have this collective, you know, we are one body, a corporate body of believers that we all share the same, you know, we, we've been memorizing the same verses. We've been saying the same prayers. We come together every Sunday for the same liturgy. Um, it's it's not just a collection of individual people, right? But we share something. Um, and, and that's so important to be that, to have that connection that we're not just a bunch of little individual pinballs zing zinging off each other and off of events that, that we're victimized by. Um, I, I was thinking because we're, we're reading in my apprenticeship right now, we're reading the Odyssey and how much the idea of memory, um, how important that was to Odysseus in his journey home. And, and there were times where you just get this feeling that that's the only thing he had to hang on to, right? As much as he was going through and all the trials that he was going through, he had that one idea of home that was sustaining him and keeping him focused. You know, that's what I've got to get back to. That's where my heart is. That's where my family is. That's what I'm pointed toward, right? Because he had those memories. And not only did it keep him focused on his journey, but it also enabled him to do a very great and hard task once he got there. Right. And he had, he had a very big job to do to, um, well, I don't want to give it away. You know, you might not have read it, but <laughs> he, had, <laughs> he had people who were eating him out of house and home and trying to take over his family. And, you know, he had to, he had to rise to that occasion, but, but I feel like it was the memory that he had that, um, that strengthened him in a lot of ways. So, you know, I feel like we don't know what our kids are going to be called to do. We don't know what challenges they're going to face as they grow older, but um, just giving them a strong foundation and, and helping them see how they're connected across the years to the people who came before them, but also that they have a responsibility as they move forward in life, right? And there is a practical side of it in that I was thinking of the verse that said, I would have despaired unless I believed I would um, see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living, that I would remember that. Um, and I, 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 a lot of our conversation has been the importance of memory, whether that's culturally um, or for the formation of, a, of our souls. So that's the big picture. But practically, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. It really is as simple as remembering things that are worth remembering. And so that's, that is where the practice comes in. That starts with the, the recitation, um, the meditation on that. And then the creating out of it in that it is a practice of, I'm going to remember this. I'm going to memorize, like memorize scripture with your children. Treasure well, yeah, that. That's, 
you're, you just said something really important. That's the first step is to intent, be intentional, right? I am going to do this. I am, I'm going to make it a point of doing this and I'm going to remember this. And I think we have to teach our kids. I mean, there are some, there are some really practical things we can do to encourage memorization and to teach kids how to memorize. It makes me really sad when I hear like a friend my age say, oh, I just can't remember anything or I'm old now or, you know, my memory shot or we, we all say that I know and, and I know as we get older you know, our, our little hard drives sometimes get pretty full but um, we can learn to memorize things and people have been doing it for years and and so there are things I think that's a skill we can teach our kids in our home schools and in our classrooms is how to memorize something and step one is you've got to, you've got to make up your mind to do it it's not going to happen by accident um, well and you can you can help make those things you're memorizing um, you can use that content in other places in your homeschool. For example, I would um, when we were memorizing scripture, I would make handwriting pages yeah. for them to copy, or we would um, do do callbacks. So, so, like if I wanted to get their attention, I might say instead of saying "Everybody be quiet," I could say "The owl and the pussycat," and then everybody who was listening could could respond with the next line, went to see. And it was, it's a more fun and natural way to use the things you're memorizing to do other things as well and make it a whole part of the culture, I guess, of, of what you're doing when it kind of bleeds into other things. So it's not like, oh, that's just something we're memorizing. No, that's also something that we're writing and right. we're talking about and thinking about. And using. And um like with math facts, math facts aren't that exciting. Um, I mean, uh, it's always fun if you can put it to music or have a fun little song. Um, you involve more of the senses that way. But the, the joy of learning math facts is that it makes your life a whole lot easier down the road when you don't have to stop and count on your fingers every time when you have a problem, right? So there, there's a very practical, efficient reason for learning your math facts. <laughs> so, um, but you're right, Karen. We can find, you know, fun ways to do it. If it's singing a song or, you know, playing with M&Ms and putting them in rows and multiplication. But, um, but, but yeah, our brains are pretty amazing and they can, they can do some amazing things. And we probably, you probably have one in your family. We had one in ours who could memorize everything. I mean, she could recite, you know, Broadway plays when she was three or four, and it was fun to watch her do that. But um, it just came naturally to her. It doesn't always come naturally to all of us, but but we can learn. You can Google this idea of a memory palace. That's one of those things that those medieval monks or the Greeks, or my history is a little vague on that, but um, there are some definite techniques for associating one thing with another thing. In in order to help you remember it, especially if it's a place where you can go in your head because you know it like the back of your hand, whether it's like walking in the front door of your house or maybe walking on a path in the woods behind your house, you can associate different parts of that with things in a list, perhaps that you're trying to remember. And so there's some fun little, you know, kind of game things you can play and um, ways to help make things stick. Yeah, and just let it become a part of your everyday life. You just think, I feed my children breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And I, there was a shift for me when I began to think of some of these habits. And we talked about habits several months ago. Uh, when, I, when I thought of some of these habits and I thought, I mean, we eat three day, I mean, we eat three meals a day. 
that's just a habit we have. We would never skip that because that's nourishing our bodies. What if I viewed some of these habits in the same way? And memory work has become one of those um, things in our home. Uh, it's This is, whether it's uh, scripture or poetry or prayers, this is, we're taking on this habit because I do know long-term and, and short-term, this is nourishing um, these kids' souls and hearts so deeply. Um, so we are, thank you for your lovely thoughts on memory. Um, the last thing that just came to mind um, as we flip this a little bit is uh, I just was thinking of the thief on the cross and how he requests of our Lord to remember him in the kingdom of God and thinking of the purpose and our hope for all of our own memory and memorizing and remembering is a prayer that we too will be remembered by our creator um, in his kingdom. So that is uh, my prayer for you all, that the Lord will remember you in his kingdom as you work so, so diligently and exhaustingly. And joyfully. Um, as you joyfully as you as you remember your own children and your own families so here's the home even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.